Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America this time. And today's podcast, I think I got something pretty special. It's something that I haven't really done before. Um, I don't really get incredibly inspired by a lot of different authors, but there's one that is almost a go-to for me. And I was reading his book just the other day, and I was just super inspired. And I just did a little bit of search to find out if there was anybody that could share about this author with you as the Back to Jerusalem audience. So I was able to find a Facebook page and I wrote to the manager of the Facebook page, a guy by the name of Jeff Pound, who is with us right now. I believe he is in Melbourne, Australia. Is that correct? That's right, Eugene. We are just coming out of lockdown Again, this is our fourth lockdown. Oh, the, the vaccination rollout has been rather slow here in Australia. And so we've been, I, I'm a pastor, and um, we've sort of been in and out of uh, having church on Zoom. And uh, But fortunately, last uh, Sunday night, uh, we were able to get back and to meet face-to-face. Oh, it must feel good. We... Um we actually live in China, uh, and yeah. we've, lived, we've lived in China for over 20 years, but the lockdowns just got so insane, and most of my work is in the Middle East, Asia, and Africa anyway, so I've spent yeah. time on the ground because I've been avoiding every lockdown that I can, like the plague. Um, <laughs> I am not a fan of lockdowns. Uh, I, was, I don't think I was ever meant for a cage, so uh, my sympathies. <laughs> oh, that's fine. It's just amazing that we've got technology. Uh, when we when we are having church on Zoom, uh, we some of, we've got uh, some of our church members are in China, and we've been able to contact them. And we've also got people that we support in Cambodia, and so you know they they can participate just as just just as if they're in the same room with us. So. It's just amazing how with modern technology, we're able to connect with people. It really has allowed us to expand the influence of the kingdom in so many ways. So we've been very thankful. And and like this, I mean, I was able to just connect with you. So just to kind of set the stage again for the audience, um, I uh, I, I usually write a, a book or two per year focused on the persecuted church in various areas of the world, primarily focused on China. And, um, and, and I, I love reading books that, uh, where the people can be inspirational with their, with their words. And there's, and I mean, everybody, most people, I'll say most people, maybe not everybody, but most people know of the C.S. Lewis's, um, but not a lot of people, at least in America, um, know that much about F.W. Borum. And I was turned on to him while reading one of Ravi Zacharias's books years ago. 
And uh, I, I picked up one of his books. I've got all of his books on Kindle or all the ones that I can get on Kindle. I have on Kindle. And I, um, the one that I keep going to is one that it's a collection of essays called The Whispers of God. And I've just, I've just loved uh, his, the way that he writes, and um, and I and and I see that you actually like him even more in that way. I think he was in your home or in where you're at now. He was in Melbourne for some time, right? Or am I wrong? Yes, he was. He 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 had a, an interesting pilgrimage, and in fact, his autobiography that he wrote was called My Pilgrimage. And he started off uh, in Tunbridge Wells in England. He grew up there and he worked in London and went to seminary uh, at the Spurgeon's College. And it's fascinating, Eugene, that you're talking about um, your work in China because China was on F.W. Borum's heart. And he... Uh, he was able to, he had many uh, conversations with Hudson Taylor about the possibility of going to China um, with the China Inland Mission. Wow. And and Hudson Taylor turned him down. Um, <laughs> the reason why um, was because um, when he was a, um, a young man, he was his first job when when he left school at the age of about 16 or so um, was in a sort of a tramway place just out of Tunbridge Wells, uh, which is just a short train ride from London. And um, he uh, there was an accident where he got sort of run over by this tram and his leg had to be amputated. Um, from beneath the knee and uh, it went all septic when he was in hospital and he almost died at that point. Um, but uh, so he always walked with a limp, even though his, his, his children didn't really know that he had an artificial leg, he had to sort of put on this sort of long boot um, every day. But because of that injury, uh, it, he was considered by Hudson Taylor to be a bit of a risk. And so he basically said, at, you know, when he had finished his uh, work at Spurgeon's College, and he was the last person to be interviewed by Charles Haddon Spurgeon before Spurgeon died. Wow. And so he, he was there for Spurgeon's funeral in, in London. Um, but he said, you know, I would love to be able to go out to the ends of the earth to somewhere where I can I can be of use, somewhere where there is a great need for um, trained workers. And so he, he was able to, even though he had that idea of being like a foreign missionary and he was turned down and that door was closed, um, when, his, when Spurgeon's son, Thomas Spurgeon, went and did um, mission work in Australia and New Zealand, so many of the churches, the young churches, were saying, please send us a Spurgeon's man. Send us someone from your college. So Thomas Spurgeon came back with a great big shopping list and one of the churches was called Mosgiel, which is about 10 kilometres from, 10, about 10 miles from Dunedin, one of the southernmost cities in New Zealand. And so Borum went there to be 
the first pastor of that church. And then he was there for 10 years, and then he went to the Hobart Baptist Tabernacle. Hobart is um, one of the, um, it's, it's the, the main centre in uh, Tasmania, which is one of the states of Australia. Um, so he went from England to New Zealand, and then to, uh, first of all, to Tasmania, and then to Victoria, um, where he went to another to pastor another church, the Armadale Baptist Church, which is a few kilometres from where I live. And and then he retired, and uh, he he retired from uh, being a pastor, um, and and he and his family for the next 30 or 40 years, um, we're at the Q Baptist Church, which is not too far from where I live as well. Um, but all of this time he was, he was writing and he developed a worldwide ministry through the writing of sermons and the writing of essays and the publication of that. And that one that you've got in your hand, your go-to one, The Whispers of God, was one of the earliest um, that was the one that sort of set him on the on the publishing road, and um, and and that book is a very very rare book. If you've got the, one of the originals, and one of the reasons why people are quite interested in F. W. Borum is because they like collecting his books. So I often get uh, emails, um, you know, saying, you know, have you got this book? Or just the other day, I got an email saying, I've got. Um, quite a few Borum books, and, and here is a list of about 15 books, including, and, and there was one, one another Borum book, which is incredibly rare, and, um, and, and, and they were, I think, selling it for probably about a thousand US dollars. That, that one, The Whisper of God, is one of the, one of the rarest F.W. Borum books. But Borum himself didn't like the idea of people just collecting his books. He really had that idea that he wanted people to read and read and really uh, until they got the, the message. Uh, so he wouldn't have been interested in the whole idea of just collecting books for the sake of it. Mm. What, what, what uh, brings your interest in F.W. Borm? I mean, as, an, as, a, as a reader, as a pastor, as a Christian, I could see just a natural interest but it, I have seen that just, you know, within the last 24, 48 hours uh, that uh, you're one of the people that they, they actually interview for the documentary that's online for F.W. Borm. What, how, how do you come into the equation uh, for F.W. Borm? I mean, for me, it was because you started the Facebook page. So obviously you take your, your admiration uh, for F.W. Borm to a, another level. Where, where does that come from? Well, I, um, I grew up in New Zealand and I trained as a Baptist to be a Baptist minister. And at the end of my training, at the age of 25, 24, I became a pastor of a church in Dunedin, which is only about 10 kilometres from where F.W. Borum started his ministry. And so he started his ministry there in about 1894. I started mine in 19, 1978. Um, but, you know, we were pretty much in the same city. We started at the same age. And reading his autobiography, he said 
you know, he had some good sermons in his sermon, you know, uh, sermon file. But he said that after about a month of being a, a you know, preaching uh, week in and week out, he said, I just felt absolutely bankrupt. He said, I, I, I sort of had some ideas to present to my congregation morning and the evening and maybe on a Wednesday night. But he said, I, you know, I just didn't know how to illustrate. And uh, what happened with him was that he had a mentor and one of his books is about a mentor. Um, it's, it's called The Man Who Knew Gandhi. And um, he appreciated, and he and his wife Stella appreciated the, the role of this mentor, J.J. Doak, that he, in 1948, wrote a book about um, his mentor and how he had actually saved, saved his life and saved his ministry. Um, we have actually republished that book um, called Lovers, Lovers of Life. Um, and, and uh, you know, F.W. Boreham talks about his, his mentor. But w when I started as a pastor at the age of 24, to be having to give a sermon, you know, to a couple of hundred people in my first church for um, Sunday morning, and then Sunday night, they, they were sort of very, it was sort of quite a, uh, a sort of a pastor-dependent church in the sense that they, you know, they elevated their pastor and, and not, you know, it was, it was before the sort of the lay renewal movement. Um, but I found to, do, to, to prepare a sermon for Sunday morning, Sunday night, and also we had a Wednesday night prayer meeting where, you know, I had to give another study. I mean, the output of ministers in those days, it was like, it was, the output was even greater than what was expected by William Shakespeare. And, um, you know, so uh, the thing that I struggled with, Eugene, was, um, yep, I could, I could look at a passage of scripture, but I didn't have the, uh, the illustrations, the stories with which to illustrate the message and it, it was a little bit like what John Stott says in his book on on, on preaching he said that he was criticized uh, because it, it was um, his sermons were like plum puddings without without the plums and, <laughs> and, and I can I can really resonate with that well I I was the pastor at and in my parish, in my area, was the Presbyterian Theological College, the Knox Theological College, with a with one of the most fantastic libraries in the Southern Hemisphere. So I was a reader, I was a student, and I used to go up to the libraries and, and frankly, I was looking for help. I was looking for ideas as to how to help. You know, I, I wanted to learn how to preach and and I came across the books of F.W. Borum, and I'd never heard about him. And I looked at those, and some of them had been like the, the Whisper of God that you talk about was, you know, it, it was about 80 years old at that point. And yet I thought it was so fresh. Some of the illustrations had to be updated. And then, you know, the next one that he wrote in 1906 was The Luggage of Life. 
and and that has got so many fantastic um, stories and illustrations that, frankly, I confess, I I swiped, I I updated, um, and and I made them my own, and I think that this is one of the thing. This is one of the things that I I found great help from with F. W. Borum, and so. I started to read his books and I started to collect them. And I felt, you know, I had a lot in common. I was a Baptist minister. We'd both started at the age of 25. And and, and he had actually, uh, I, in reading his book, he had preached from the church where I was the pastor. So, you know, there, there was there was a lot in, lot in common. And then um, in 1992, after I'd preached, uh, been pastor of two churches in New Zealand, I was invited to go as a, it was called a home mission superintendent for the state of Victoria, uh, where Melbourne is. And I, I was really like a resource person helping to um, develop um, uh, mission through our Baptist churches right throughout the state of Victoria. And, um, and then... Um, I, I was helping in the strengthening of small churches, uh, multicultural churches, and and also looking at the area of the planting of new churches throughout the state. And then I changed more because we saw that there was such a need for the training of ministers and the training of lay leaders in the church. I um, I, I was I. I was moved really to develop a, a role called the director of leadership training, um, and and then I um, a few years later our the principal of the college the theological college which trains ministers and lay people um, he retired and because I was part of the team um, I was asked to be the principal of the theological college called Whitley College um, now. When I moved to Melbourne, I'd sort of thought, oh, yeah, I still had that interest in F.W. Borum. But the thing, the, the great thing was I met up with F.W. Borum's family. Oh, wow. And I, I met up with his son, Frank, and, and his wife, Betty. And, and they were in, a, in, in their um, aged uh, care home at that point. And I said to them, "Look, can I come? I'd love, to, I'd love to have a chat with you." And, I, and they said, "Yeah, come for lunch." And I, I went, and they, I had lunch, and so, you know, so began a long friendship with with his family, and he was really pleased that uh, that, that I had a real interest in his father. Um, and the interesting thing was. Um, you know, he, he helped. Uh, I said, look, you know, he showed me lots of photographs and I said, oh, gosh, all of all of those photographs, it would be great for other people to know that. And anyway, he he was able to get photographs enlarged. Uh, he donated some display cabinets and we developed a an FW Borum uh, room and a, a, a display centre at Whitley College. Wow. And... Um, but but the other thing was that there were so many little anecdotes that that I I used to go there quite regularly for lunch at their place at the aged care facility and I got to know this couple so well that um, 
you know, when they both died, I, I took their took their funerals um, in the church where F.W. Borum, the, the father, used to be. But um, the son, you know, he would say, oh, look, this was the grace that my father used to say every, every time we had a meal together. And, you know, he would tell me sort of little anecdotes like that. Or, you know, when I went to the Kew Baptist Church, he would say, he would point to the pew and say, that's where my father and mother used to sit, you know, every time. So that there was those lovely anecdotes. And then I went with Frank and Betty Borum down to Tasmania and, and we, we went on a bit of a F.W. Borum pilgrimage around Hobart. We went to the Hobart Baptist Tabernacle, which was the second church, and we went to even went down to the place where F.W. Borum used to go for a, for a retreat down at the, down at the beach. Um, so there developed a real um, interest in all of that. And I, as a, um, a person who was interested in trying to encourage pastors and others to, to do training, I thought I needed to be doing some ongoing training. I'd done a doctorate. Um, My first church had encouraged me to do that, and I did that through the Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. And then um, I I did um, another doctorate, um, and I was – one of the things that interested me was that at Whitley College, where I I was the principal – um, there were some archives there, and Frank, the son, Frank Borum, had said to me, he said, when my father died in 1959, we gave all of our books, that, that was F.W. Borum's, his own copies of his own books, we gave that to the Whitley College Library. And he said, I'm not too sure what had been done with them. But maybe people who didn't really know much about F.W. Borum or didn't really value his writings just kept them all in in boxes. So I used to go into the archives quite often. And anyway, I, I found all of F.W. Borum's own books that had been sitting in these cartons for, uh, well, you know, 40 years. And... We put them into a beautiful display cabinet and a lot of people, you know, from overseas and interstate, they would come and and have a look at that. Um, And then the other thing was I found some great scrapbooks that either F.W. Borum or his wife or his family member had pasted into those the articles that F.W. Borum had written for the the major newspaper when he was in Hobart in Tasmania. And then when he came to Victoria, uh, to Melbourne, um, he he also wrote there. So we had these great big scrapbooks. And and one of the things that really intrigued me about these was that they were different from the sermons that he preached from the pulpit. And these were the editorials that he wrote for a newspaper, mainly the Saturday newspaper. And he he had written these um, editorials for people who were sitting down on a sun, Saturday morning after buying the Saturday newspaper, which, which was always a great big newspaper. They would sit down with their cup of tea or their coffee and they would read it. And he was writing for those people. 
And he was incredibly prolific. You know, in addition to being, you know, preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, and probably on a Wednesday night, um, he wrote for the local newspaper. And so when I thought about what I would like to write about for my doctoral study, um, I wanted to write not about the essays and sermons that were in his books, but for the editorials that were in his scrapbooks and that were printed in the major newspapers of the day in Hobart and Melbourne, and prior to that in Dunedin, the Otago Daily Times. So my the scope was um, looking at the writings of F.W. Borum, the editorial writings from 19... 19- 12 to 1959. So for 47 years, he was writing week by week. Um, And I thought, what did he say? Um, What did he say to people who were picking up the daily, their Saturday newspaper while they were having a cup of coffee? Um, And how, as a minister, did he interweave his faith with the issues of the day? whether that was the First World War, the Second World War, the Depression, uh, the growth of uh, Australia as a nation and so on. So I've written a a doctoral uh, thesis um, on F.W. Borum. And then after that, my supervisor said to me, oh, look, you should put that into a book. Um, You know, you'll have to change all of the form and style and that sort of thing. But by that stage, I thought, oh, I don't want to be tinkering around with bibliographies. That's that's absolutely boring. And uh, my wife and I went to live in the Middle East. We we were based in the United Arab Emirates, um, about 90 minutes from Dubai. And um, it was a bit of a, a change for me, and I reinvented myself as a writer. But I started a blog uh, called the official F.W. Borum blog, and I think that's got about 900 to 1,000 articles. But I also then started the F.W. Borum Facebook page and I realised how many people were interested in F.W. Borum. Uh, yes, from New Zealand. Yes, from Australia. Yes, from England, where he started. But especially from uh, the United States of America, I found that he was you know, held in high regard there. And as you say, Eugene, um, Ravi Zacharias uh, was one who commended him often. Um, So anyway, that's a bit of a long answer to your question about how I got um, impassioned about that. So I give lectures from time to time. I've got one coming up uh, in August. Um, and, And I continue to you know, post something each day on the F.W. Borum Facebook site on which there must be, you know, a, a couple of thousand people, you know, who who read it from time to time. I, I really feel that some of his writings are some of the best kept secrets in Christianity. Uh, only, and I say best kept secrets because there are so many I know just within my audience that are not aware of him. Most of the people that I come in contact with on a regular basis, I, I if I mention his name, most people are not familiar with him. So this is not an everyday 
kind of name, or at least not in the circles that, you know, that I've been familiar with. And you said something that I think was very important for me. Uh, you were talking about his illustrations that he wrote uh, and how the influence that they had on you as a young pastor. For me, his illustrations have vivid imagery. I mean, he is such a wordsmith. He is able to incorporate nature and relationships, animal life, into his into his sermons or his ideas about God or theology in a way that I have found to be magical. Not just magical, but they have allowed me almost a completely different perspective as if as if through his writings and through the, the power of the Holy Spirit in his writings, I have been taken to a different side of the room, if you will, to look at the same object that I've been looking at for years from a yes. different perspective and see it in a completely new, vivid light. And that has been such a, a, a gift to me. So that when I try to write about something or someone or describe something, you know, I I really do lean a lot on inspiration from his from 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 his his imagery, from his illustrations. And yes. so what draw drew me to him is I think very similar to what drew you to him. Um, let me let me ask this for our, our listeners who are listening to this and are like, I've never heard of him. I would love to get my hands and, and, and read something of him. Um, what is what is a best book for beginner? What is what is the Born for Beginners recommendation from from you? Well, I think um, I like to learn about an author first of all. And um, when he when F. W. Boreham <laughs> um, retired, one of the books that he wrote was My Pilgrimage in which he talks about his, his life. And I think for, for people who are pastors um, it, or, or, or Christian workers, there are so many wise insights that come from, from that. I, I think it's, it's, the book is called My Pilgrimage. Um, and I, I think it's, it's, it helps you to understand the person. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't ready-made. You know, he, he, like I talked about the fact that he had that accident with his leg that kept him from fulfilling his dream of going to China. Well, he didn't just sit down and, and weep. He, he, you know, in, in God's economy, um, he, he, you know, he trained to be a pastor. He went to the, to the ends of the earth down to New Zealand, which was a, a long way away in those times when you were just travelling on an ocean liner. But I think through his through his own experience of um, having that itch to write and and to and and to and to have things published, he was able to have a worldwide ministry. So. That that's one of the things that he was wanting to do. That's why he wanted to go to China. He was wanting, um, he he was wanting to. Uh, I mean, he he'd been captivated by the stories that Hudson Taylor um, uh, shared with him, and and he wanted to go to a place where there was great need, not where, you know, there were tons and tons of churches and so on, and so through his writings, he he has been able to reach the world. 
And, you know, he, he died in 1959. Uh, he was born 150 years ago. Um, so his books are still, you know, keeping his message alive, not necessarily himself as a person. And I've been really interested because I've, um, the family gave to me the, uh, the, the, the power of um, the, the copyright um, to, so that we could do some republishing of, of books that were out of print. And about 10 or almost 15 years ago, um, there were three of us, uh, two Americans and myself, um, that we, we developed the, um, the John Broadbanks Publishing and one of our concerns, Eugene, was that we wanted to get the writings of Borum into people's hands, but so many of the books were out of print and the books, you know, became as scarce as hen's teeth. And, you know, as I've, I've said, said to you, that whisper of God, I've got a copy of it that somebody gave to me, and that, that, that can sell for... Um, Five hundred dollars, um, five hundred US dollars. Um, you, you know, this person the other day that was talking to me and wanting to sell their books, they had one very rare book, and and they were wanting to sell it for twelve hundred dollars. Now, I said to Frank Borum, the 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 son of F. W. Borum, I said, look. I don't think your father was really into trading of books. He wanted people to read his writings. So we we have um, we have published or republished quite a few and um, of of the books that were rare, and um, you know we're we're thrilled about that. And also we've we've put some books together. Um, one is called All the Blessings of Life, and and that is the the best essays and sermons of F.W. Borum. Now, that would be a good place for people to go to as well. Um, you know, when you're talking about a starting place, you know, for people who want to dip in. So there's another book that we've got. I just can't quite remember the, the name of it now, but um, it's it's on the best stories of F.W. Borum because he became known as the storytelling preacher. So... The other thing is that I've, I've sort of found out because I, I look for things that are happening in regard to F.W. Borum all over the internet and I see that people in Spain or in the Spanish world are getting interested in F.W. Borum. Um, I have had interest from China, you know, from people who have been interested in, in um, you know, asking permission to be able to, to do a reprint um, so, you know, it's just quite amazing that somebody who died so long ago, whose, whose writings are so readable, um, that, that they are, that F.W. Borum is becoming known, um, you know, in, in different uh, languages, not, not just in the English-speaking world, but in, you know, among Indians um, and among Chinese people and among the, the Spanish world in uh, Latin America and, and also in Spain. So, 
F.W. Borum would have been absolutely thrilled about that. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. I would not want that job translating his works. I mean, I have found, you know, just one of, one of the things I think that makes him stand out, at least for me, and it's the reason why I go back to his books, even though, as you duly noted, they have written, been written so many years ago, is that uh, his he, he doesn't have... And, and you may not agree with this, but I, I feel like there are a lot, there's a lot of literature available today that feels a bit la lazy in its presentation. And, and, and so the, the, the art of storytelling, because he really is this master storyteller, I feel, um, that, that he, his description of loss and grief and joy and salvation and God, he he, he brings he, he knits language together in a way that is enjoyable, fun and unexpected. I mean, for me, one of the things I also like about him is that he is an essayist, so I can sit down and read like one essay uh, from from start to finish in a single setting in front of the fireplace during the winter time, you know, waking up early in the morning with snow outside, kind of that, that idyllic situation and having a, a I, I don't drink coffee, but I have this, this nice warm cup of literature in my hand. And I just absolutely love because it is filling. There's something about it that is satiating that I feel satisfied when I get up and I walk away and I'm pondering on the writings that he's written. I don't. There, there's a lot of straightforward writing today, where I I feel like a lot of the authors, a lot of big speakers, a lot of very well known uh, pastors that that will put out literature, oftentimes cater to the lowest denominator, hoping that you know everybody would be able to get their ideas. Where. Um, the, yeah, the F.W. Borum, it, it, it just a different, a completely different animal. Um, if somebody is listening to this podcast and they're, they, they really are now interested, you had mentioned all the blessings of life. Where could they go to get that? Well, uh, they can get it through Abe Books, A-B-E Books. Um, but um, it, it, probably the easiest way to do it is through Amazon.com. And uh, if you enter into F.W. Borum, uh, you'll find that there are probably a, a stack of the second-hand books, um, but also the, the newer ones as well, uh, the, the new books. So that would be a good place to start. But I think it might be a good thing to, uh, for people to join the F.W. Borum Facebook page, uh, which I um, administer, and... Um, and often people, you know, they write a message and say, look, you know, where can I get this book? Or, or often, often, Eugene, it's an interesting thing. You know, when you, when you are doing lots of public speaking, you often use illustrations and then you think, oh, look, I think F.W. Borum had a great illustration on the theme of discernment or how do I find the will of God? Oh, gosh, but which book is it in? So I often get questions from people uh, who say, oh, F.W. Borum, in one of his books, he, he talked about this little boy who died and the parents who did this and that. You know, where, where can I find it? So, um, you know, that, that's, that's often. So I, I would think that the F.W. Borum page is probably at least a, uh, 
that that's the most you know it I, I usually put stuff on there daily some some quotes um, but uh, sometimes I put some essays on there uh, you, you know um, I scan them um, and and put them on there and uh, that's probably a, a good way to for people to interact and to ask the questions that are pertinent to them and I agree with you uh, Eugene when you talked about sitting down you know um, and reading an essay um, what the the minister of the largest church in Australia he, he died just a few years ago the Reverend Gordon Moyes he said and he was a Methodist he, he said I would read a, a an essay or a sermon by FW Borum every day uh, Ravi Zacharias made that his um, his his practice and and Another couple that really have promoted F.W. Borum uh, around the world is uh, Dr. Billy Graham and his wife, Ruth. Ruth had just about all of the Borum books. And when uh, Dr. Billy Graham and, and Ruth came to Australia in uh, 1956, uh, 1959, uh, to, to do a Billy Graham crusade at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, which is the, the largest cricket ground in the world. Um, and um, one of the things that uh, Billy Graham said was, when I get to Australia, the person that I want to meet most is Dr. F.W. Borum. And um, so Billy and Ruth Graham, they went to uh, F.W. Borum's house in Kew in Melbourne and they had a great uh, conversation. And Billy Graham invited Dr. Borum to come and sit with him, um, you know, while he was preaching at at the uh, at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. But it was um, at the time they didn't know. But it was only three months before F. W. Borum died. He wasn't feeling all that well at that time, and he declined the invitation. But Billy and and Ruth. Graham, they used to, you know, they they love. It's it's one of those authors that there's inspiration, and you know, in the storytelling. And as you've uh, identified very well, Eugene F. W. Borum was a wordsmith, and he was able to sort of see a scene as if he was like an artist, and then he was able not to paint it on a board but to translate that into, into words so that readers could actually see that same scene. So it, it means that there's a lot of depth in his writing. It's not, they're not books that you can just, that, that you want to just read over quickly, skip through and then get on to a next book. I, 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 keep, uh, I, I keep on reading and rereading and finding that there are always tremendous uh, treasures. And, you know, you talked about just the enjoyment. Um, F.W. Borum, he, he just, he loved writing. He loved preaching. He loved being able to communicate. And one of the great tributes that was given to him after he gave a, a, an address was uh, somebody said, you looked as if you were really enjoying what you were doing. And, and he loved that tribute, and I think he did. And it was that sense of joy, 
that was mixed with his passion for his subject that was the thing that really inspired. That was the thing that really communicated. And sometimes you get fantastic preachers and you hear them in the pulpit or, you know, um, but when, when you actually read their books, they are as dull as dishwater. <laughs> yes. and, and, and yet F.W. Borum, you know, the pages, the, the, you know, the words just sort of romp off the pages uh, and, and they are really lively. Um, and, and so, you know, he was a wordsmith and he really worked on his craft. It just didn't happen. You hear about people saying, oh, they're a born preacher or they're a born writer. That wasn't the case at all. He, he worked and worked. And one of the things that I'm really interested in, Eugene, at the moment, of, um, I'll just pick up this. I've, I just picked it up from my, um, from my bookcase. I have got in my hands um, photograph albums, some small photograph albums, and in it, F.W. Borum has written Mosgiel Sermons by Frank W.M. William Borum, Volume 2. So I, I, um, the first sermon is 1897. So what I am doing is I am going through his sermons are pasted in these photograph albums, and these are some of his early sermons, and they are a bit wordy, they are really long. They don't have much in the way of uh, illustration. So one of the things that I'm interested in is these sermons happened at the time when he said, you know, homiletically, he was absolutely bankrupt. He really didn't know how to preach and he didn't have those illustrations. But by the time he got to his second church, he said he really sort of felt as if he was coming into the style uh, that was actually him. He wasn't trying to be like Charles Haddon Spurgeon. So one of the things that I uh, am interested in at the moment is the progression, the development of a preacher, the development of a writer, because the whisper of God, which you've referred to, Eugene, is one of his earliest. And, you know, F.W. Borum still wouldn't have been happy with all of that. Um, you know, it's a bit long. Uh, he, he got to be able to write much more economically and also, you know, no wasted words whatsoever. So there was a real development in his writing and in his thinking, which, which is a wonderful thing. He looked back on some of his first works and, you know, with dismay, and he thought, oh, gosh, that was a bit of a disaster. But I think the thing is that we can probably all look back on whatever our profession is. We can all look back and think, gosh, that was a bit of a disaster. Um, but the great thing about it, the positive thing is that we're growing, we're developing. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, it, it's just interesting just to see the development of Borum's ideas and particularly if you're thinking about his, his preaching and also his essay writing. Yeah, I, I really want to thank you for coming and joining us and being on this podcast, doing this in-depth introduction to him. You said that you have a blog um, that people can go to, right? Is that still up? Can people still go there uh, as well as the Facebook page to the blog? 
It, it's um, often if you Google FW Borum and you know whatever your topic is that you're looking at, it might the internet might uh, lead you to. It's, I think it's called the official FW Borum uh, blog. Um, as I said before, it, it's got about nine hundred or a thousand articles, but I haven't carried. I haven't um, continued it. I thought, you know, it's a bit like a book. It can just sit up there, yeah. and it covers a it covers a whole lot of um, you know. I, I felt rather than trying to write a book at that stage after I'd done my doctoral thesis, I thought it was much better to put my stuff out on modern technology, which at the time when I was living in the Emirates was blogging and also social media and uh, I've, I've found that that's a way that I've been able to contact so many other people who love the writings of FW Borum so that, that would be a, a good place to go to um, um, as well as the, the the Facebook site which is you know FW Borum yeah okay so I have I have I have done what you have said I have googled it I, I think I have found it the official FW Borum blog site um, yeah. And I see you there. So for those of you that are listening to this podcast, you can go to fwborham.blogspot.com. If you've never, if, if you don't know the name, the name is B-O-R-E-H-A-M. B-O-R-E-H-A-M. Or you can go to the Facebook. That's where I'm at right now. And I am I am following uh, the F.W. Borham uh, Facebook page. You can just put in at FW Borum. That should bring you up to the Facebook page. There you will be able to see daily quotes and a lot of the things that uh, Jeff has told us about. So Jeff, this has been an amazing time. I know that we took a little bit longer than I had said, but it was really fascinating to hear what you shared. I'm, I, I am so happy that you have agreed to, to spend this time with us today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much and uh, blessings on those who listen to this podcast, to your regular listeners. And uh, thank you for what you're doing, Eugene. And it's been a joy to talk with you uh, this morning from Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> awesome. God bless you, brother. Okay. Bye-bye. And I want to thank you guys for joining us for this Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I cannot reiterate the impact that this author has had on my life. I highly recommend him to anybody that listens to this podcast. Um, I, uh, even though I, I have stayed away from copyright issues of directly quoting this man, though I have wanted to so stinking badly, um, I have been inspired nonetheless. So a lot of the things that I have written, especially in the book, there were three trees. So the three trees book that I put out, our booklet, I should say, it's not even a book, it's a booklet. Um, that was greatly inspired by some of the way that this man told stories. I feel that the God's power, uh, his inspiration was up on him so heavily that his, his words, his sermons, his writings still echo till today and can benefit believers like us in the 21st century. I want to thank you so much for downloading this Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. God bless.